0: So as some of you may know, Bear Stearns has just received a loan from J.P. Morgan. Of course, we're going to have to wait and see how the markets react, but that should lay to rest any concerns about the bank's health. No, I take it you have no plans to sell your 200 million
1: in bear stock.
0: No, as a matter of fact, when we're done here, I'll probably go out and buy some more.
1: For the opposing view, Mr. Baum.
0: I got a stance for this. Okay, hi. My firm's thesis is pretty simple. Wall Street took a good idea, Louis Ranieri's mortgage bond, and turned it into an atomic bomb of fraud and stupidity that's on its way to decimating the world economy. How do you really feel? (laughs) I'm glad you still have a sense of humor. I wouldn't if I were you. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I have no problem telling someone they're wrong. But for the first time in my life, it's it's not so enjoyable. We live in an era of fraud in America. Not just in banking, but in government, education, religion, food, even baseball. What bothers me isn't that fraud is not nice or that fraud is mean. It's that for 15,000 years, fraud, and short-sighted thinking have never, ever worked. When the hell did we forget all that? I thought we were better than this. I really did. And the fact that we're not doesn't make me feel all right and superior. It makes me feel sad. And as fun as it is to watch pompous, dumb Wall Streeters be wildly wrong, and you are wrong, sir, I just know that at the end of the day average people are going to be the ones that are going to have to pay for all of this because they always do. That's my two cents. Thank you. Mirror, mirror
1: on the wall. The face you
2: show me scares me so. Thought that I could call your blood. But now the lines are clear enough. Life's not pretty, even though I try so hard to make it so.
1: Mornings are such cold distress. How did I ever...
2: Hey everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. I open up with that clip from uh, the big short uh, from 2015. If you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself. Go get it on Prime or Netflix and watch it and watch it three times because you'll notice new stuff each time. And especially, especially since we lived through this, since we lived through this whole thing, we saw it go down. It will, I mean, especially for me being in the mortgage business, you know, I watched it. I watched it, and I just and I just remembered every little piece of history happening when it happened. But you know, in that in that scene, there, one of the head guys at Bear Stearns is uh, is blowing smoke up everybody's butt, saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy some more Bear Stearns stock." And by the end of that scene, someone from the audience goes, "Hey, well, you guys have been talking. The Bear Stearns stock has dropped 38 percent." And, uh, and, uh, Mark Baum, who's played by Steve Carell says, boom. And, uh, but you know, he says, he says, you know, we're in an era of fraud in America, not in just in banking, but in government, in education, in religion, in food, even in baseball right now. And, you know, he was and this, and this was happening in 2008. This is 15 years later and we're in a worse shape. We're in worse shape and it's going to come out similar. We may not have a big global economic meltdown because of uh leveraging homes. We're not going to be it's not going to be there, but it's going to be bad when all this comes out, especially if the Democrats are able to steal uh, the 2024 election. Uh and we're going to be in a, we're going to be in bad shape. Um and I'm and we're going to talk about all kinds of fraud and stuff going on um as we go through the show. And that song was "Snowblind" from Sticks. You know what? Uh, apparently, the FBI can't figure out whose cocaine that was in the White House in the most secure building in the world—cameras everywhere, except Jeffrey Epstein's cell. Oh, I mean, except for where, where the wherever that cocaine was, and we don't know where the cocaine was for sure because they changed their stories a few times. But you know what? Uh, you you know they should be able to probably check it, check the cameras and get a good idea. They could do drug, drug tests on everybody in the white house that could have possibly been, and they would, have, and cocaine would have been in their, in their system for at least three days. And they could have, uh, you know, think about all the little, little, uh, video clips and all the people they found that happened to be in Washington DC on January 6, 21. And somehow, if you even were just remotely close to any camera, they found you when you got home and arrested you. But they can't figure out who brought cocaine into the White House. Imagine if that was anthrax. You know, it's just more of the era of fraud that we live in. They couldn't come up with an answer that was acceptable to their narrative. So they just closed and said, we can't figure it out. And you know what? The Democrats buy that. I've been uh, taking taking extra effort to turn on CNN and MSNBC and watch the other side uh, a little bit more often than I was. And these people actually believe this stuff. You know what I I watched? uh, I turned on uh, uh, Colbert uh, the other night for 10 minutes. All I could bear. All I could bear. But these people joke about Trump the way we joke about Biden, except for Trump's not senile. He's not falling down in front of people, but they still do the same thing and it's and you know it's like it's like, hey, how can you be that stupid because everybody's make painting a picture that makes it look real to them and they don't turn on Fox and they don't turn on Newsmax and they don't subscribe to any uh conservative stuff and they don't listen to the main event so they uh so they just don't believe like we believe it's 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 kind of uh, saddening so uh I decided that I'm going to do this uh, do this section where I I look at look at movies that I saw this week that a scene caught my caught my eyes caught my attention and and I think it was pertinent and this week I found uh two I found two clips that were of the of the same same area well you know what let me do that after I introduce myself let me get into that first because it relates to the first to the first uh, subject I'm going to talk about. But for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities out there, uh, contrary to what a lot of people are reporting, if you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. Whether it's to uh, refinance a piece of property that you own or purchase a piece of property that you'd like to own, whether that's in California or or another state, and, or if you're interested in uh, finding out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everybody's talking about, call me, 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. Put in all your information that you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, if you, uh, if you missed any part of the show this week or any other week, or you want to share it with somebody, uh, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net, go to the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows and, uh, listen to it on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple podcast, and you can uh, subscribe for free. And, uh, once a week after we upload it, it'll download to your device and you can listen to it on demand. You actually get it. A day earlier than it comes out on the radio Um, If you have comments on the show Send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net And uh, sometimes I comment On them, sometimes I respond um, And, uh, but I do Read all of them So, as I I was talking About this week, I I saw I noticed in a couple of different movies I was watching uh, A couple of scenes about Martin Luther King, let's start with this one From Elizabethtown
0: And just around the corner The Lorraine Motel Hotel balcony where Martin Luther King drew his last breath. His death was only the beginning of his victory.
2: Martin Luther King's death was only the beginning of his victory. And think about this: for the last fifty years, we've been talking about that speech he made, "I Have a Dream." We we talked about it in when I used a clip from uh, Air, the movie Air. Uh, when a guy was talking about the, how, how Martin Luther King made up the second half because he wasn't connecting with his speech that he wrote. And it, and he did that from his heart. You know what? Hey, I have a dream of a world where we're not judged by the color of our skin, but the content of our character. We're going the exact opposite direction to that. We're going the exact opposite. Nobody cares about the content of your character. It's just the color of your skin. And that's what our Biden administration is pushing us towards, what the wokeness is pushing us towards. Uh, then I heard this, this clip from the movie The Menu. As Dr. King
1: said, we know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Did
2: he just quote Martin Luther King? Yep, that's it. So if you've seen the movie, it's kind of a dark comedy. It's kind of a, it's a, kind of a thriller drama, dark comedy. And uh, then this, this crazy chef starts quoting Martin Luther King that freedom, freedom is never, uh, never given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. And what that means to me, and it should mean to you that if we don't like what's going on, if we don't like what's going on in this country and how it's changing for the worst, we need to demand. Things change. They're not going to, the, the administration is not going to say, eh, we were wrong. We're going to stop stealing money from you. We're going to stop taxing, taxing the hell out of you so we can put it into our pockets. We're going to stop letting, letting uh, illegals into our country. We're going to stop letting criminals out of jail. We have to demand it. We have to demand it. And along those lines of, of uh, content of our character versus, uh, versus the color of our skin, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, is stepping down in September. It's about frickin' time. And there's a lot of uncertainty about the Defense Depart- at the Defense Department right now as Republican Tommy Tuberville on the Senate Armed Services Committee is blocking new military nominations in protest of the Pentagon's abortion policy. I'm not going to go into that story right now because, frankly, it's not worth our time. But what is worth our time is hearing from Air Force Chief of Staff General Charles Brown, a top contender to replace Milley as the Joint Chiefs. Biden wants to appoint Brown so he can be the first black chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I liked what Brown had to say about this in his confirmation hearing Tuesday. I didn't want to be the best African-American F-16 pilot. I wanted to be the best F-16 pilot. I did not want to be provided a, a position of promotion uh, based on my background. I wanted to be, you know, based on the quality of my work. And I think that's uh, the aspect that all of our service members look for, is they want a fair opportunity, uh, but they also want to be uh, rewarded for the, uh, the performance. Those of us that actually perform want to be recognized for our performance. People that don't perform don't want to perform and don't want to put out any any effort. They want to just be entitled to have stuff because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or whatever other little woke thing that they do. And that's not what made America great. All right. So let's go into uh, the rest of the news here. Uh, the annual NATO summit in Lithuania this week, which was supposed to be centered around welcoming Finland into the alliance, was instead dominated by the prospect of whether or not Ukraine will be granted an expedited membership. With Russia's war on Ukraine going for 500 days and counting, the idea of letting Ukraine into the alliance has been contentious point among NATO allies for obvious reasons. Because if we let them in, we're all in. We're all in World War Three. President Biden spoke with CNN's Fareed Zakaria on the matter before heading to Lithuania on Sunday.
0: The big strategic issue is that Ukraine
1: wants membership in NATO, Um, should it get membership in NATO? I don't think it's ready for membership in NATO, but here's the deal, I spent, as you know, a great deal of time trying to hold NATO together because I believe Putin has had an overwhelming objective from the time he launched 185,000 troops into Ukraine. He was confident he could break NATO. So holding NATO together is really critical. I don't think there is unanimity in NATO about whether or not to bring Ukraine into the NATO family now, at this moment, in the middle of a war. For example, if you did that, then, you know, we I and I mean what I say, we're, we're determined to commit every inch of territory that is nato territory it's a commitment that we've all made no matter what if the war is going on then we're all in the war you know we're in war with russia if that were the case
2: clearly biden had somebody tell him to say that because i don't think he's smart enough to to think that through himself because you know he's so he's so in conflict with a conflict of interest with ukraine with russia with china he doesn't know which which, way is, which side of his bread is, is buttered. He doesn't know what to do because he's, uh, he's painted himself into a corner and he's just trying to get the media, to, the media and the Democrats to keep him out of jail. On Tuesday, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg stated that Ukraine would need to meet certain prerequisites in order to join. In a joint communique issued Tuesday, the leaders of 31 NATO member states confirmed that Ukraine will receive an invitation, quote, When allies agree and conditions are met, however, exactly what those conditions were was not immediately clear, and there is no concrete timetable. When pressed, Stoltenberg said the primary condition is Ukraine establishing good governance and modern defense and security institutions. What that means is that, you know, they they need to bring some value to the table. They need to stop being corrupt. They need to stop sending money to Biden, and they need to stop pocketing the money that is sent to them for aid of their country into the the government people's pockets. This was echoed by White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby, who said, Tuesday, the conditions boil down to good governance, rule of law, and political reforms that Ukraine needs to work on. What that means. Remember all the corruption that's gone on in Ukraine since the entire Western world started sending them money? We talked about that back in January and February, so go to edhoffman.net, listen to those shows if you need a reminder. And it's only been three weeks since the Pentagon told us about this minor accounting error. This is the first time we're talking about it here, but it was reported in June. In short, the Department of Defense miscalculated the value of equipment we sent to Ukraine, which means we still have to send them billions more to meet our original commitments. So not only do we say, hey, we're going to send you these tanks, we're going to send you these, these rocket launchers, and we're going to send you this, and we're going to send you that. And that's a value in our eyes of hundred million, a hundred billion dollars or whatever the number was. And now we've gone back and reevaluated what those things were worth. And so it's not about, Hey, we sent you all those weapons. Now it's about, well, we didn't send you as much value as we thought we did. So how many billions? Here's Pentagon spokesperson, Sabrina Singh back on June 20th.
0: We have confirmed that for FY23,
2: The final calculation is $3.6 billion. And for FY22, it is $2.6 billion for a combined total of $6.2 billion. $6.2 billion more? We owe them? I don't see it that way. We owe them? We don't owe them anything. Those guys should just say thank you for whatever they got. But the, you know, and, and clearly, and clearly, we've given we've given out more than double what all the other governments have given him combined. And we're not in, we're not in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in shot of any of those missiles We're if those missiles from Russia that are aimed at, at Ukraine miss, they're not going to fall in the United States. They're going to fall on Poland or Germany or France or any of those other, other, uh, countries that are close there in Europe, not in North America, but still, we give them we give more than more than double what everybody else does combined but the bottom line for ukraine joining nato is this if we were to let them join now 31 nations would immediately be at war with russia which basically means we're going to be at war with russia and china based on their friendship without limits that uh china and and uh that she uh, and putin just put together well zelensky did not like hearing all this on monday so he tweeted We value our allies, we value our shared security, and we always appreciate an open conversation. Ukraine will be represented at the NATO summit in Vilnius because it's about respect. But but Ukraine also deserves respect. It's unprecedented and absurd when time frame is not set neither for the invitation nor for Ukraine's membership. While at the same time, vague wording about conditions is added even for inviting Ukraine. It seems there is no readiness neither to invite Ukraine to NATO nor to make it a member of the alliance. This means that a window of opportunity is being left to bargain Ukraine's membership in NATO in negotiations with Russia. And for Russia, this means invitation to to continue its terror. Uncertainty is weakness, and I will openly discuss this at the summit. So Zelensky is upset that the newest NATO members, Finland and Sweden, didn't have to go through NATO's membership approval plan. But Finland and Sweden don't have billions of dollars being funneled to them, only to have untold amounts of that money intercepted by corrupt government officials. One frequent critic of our blank checks to Ukraine over the past year uh, was asked to chime in on this, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul.
1: You know, there's an old English adage he might need to become aware of, never look a gift horse in the mouth. We've given them $100 billion and he has the audacity to be so brazen as to tell us we better speed it up. I'd say that's audacious. I'd say that's brazen and I'd say it's not very grateful for the $100 billion that we've given him so far. So, uh, no, putting them in NATO right at this moment, I agree with President Biden. I don't agree with President Biden on a lot, but Biden is right. Were we to put him in NATO now, uh, both by Biden and many other foreign policy experts have said putting them in now would guarantee that we would now have an active role in the war in Ukraine, more than just supplying arms, but actually sending troops and an obligation to do so. So I think it'd be a huge mistake, and I hope saner minds will prevail.
2: I think uh, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, he's 45 years old, not quite a millennial, but clearly not a baby boomer. And, uh, you know, in the, in the boomer years... We were brought up with gratitude and graciousness and manners and respect. Clearly, the Gen Xers, not all of them got that. Zelensky was invited to meet with Biden and other heads of state that were actually coherent during this summit week. And the president of Lithuania invited him to give a speech outside the summit on Tuesday night. That's quite a red carpet to roll out for for a nation that's not even a member yet. Maybe that's why Zelensky's message dramatically softened from the aggressive tone of his tweets by the time he hit the stage on Tuesday. I came here
0: today believing in partners, in a NATO that does not waste time. Ukraine will make NATO stronger. NATO will make Ukraine safer.
2: Yeah, uh, Ukraine will make NATO stronger. I don't know how. I don't know how. You know, You need to bring something to the table. What do you bring? You don't bring weapons, you don't bring money. You don't bring strength, you can't help anybody else, you can't even help yourself unless we fund it. Speaking of changed tones, Biden took on a nurturing tone of his one, one-on-one with Zelensky on Wednesday. Listen as he mentions all his visits to Ukraine over the years and takes credit for the support they've received from the rest of the world. I hope we finally have put to bed the notion
1: about whether or not Ukraine is welcome and NATO It's gonna happen. We're moving. all moving in the right direction. I think it's just a matter of uh, getting by the next few months here. I've been in uh, Ukraine a lot before the war and some since the war. but uh, And the frustration, I can only imagine. I know you're many times frustrated about when when things get to you quickly enough and what's getting to you and how we're getting there. But I promise you, the United States is doing everything we can to get you what you need as rapidly as we can get it to you. When I got here as president and I started to sell that idea to other heads of state, there was no, there was no reluctance. There was no, 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 I don't want to, everybody just said, okay, sign on. So it's real. You've done an enormous job, you have a lot more to do, I know. And and I just think that, uh, you know, we're going to make sure that you get what you need. I look forward to the day when we're having the meeting, celebrating your official, official membership in NATO.
2: Yeah, Biden is just trying to keep them feeling loved, to keep the money flowing from uh, Ukraine into the Biden crime family bank accounts. And, uh, and especially to keep them from, uh, from rolling over and exposing Biden and putting him in jail. Meanwhile, someone needs to tell our secretary of state that the war has gone, over, on, gone on for over a year. Here's what Anthony Blinken told NBC's Andrea Mitchell on Tuesday. Are you concerned that this is going to be an endless war? No. uh, What we're seeing still is relatively early days in this counteroffensive. This is something that we said from the beginning was going to play out not just over a matter of weeks, but over a matter of months. Yeah, well, Mr. Secretary, uh, it's almost a year and a half, and maybe you should uh, update your calendar there. Hey, um, I'm all out of time for this half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be right back with lots, lots more. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio, well, I'm going to today, but uh, I don't normally. But if, you're, but if you're, if you need some help with uh, repositioning your assets and your debt, if you need uh, uh, some help with with uh, financing a new house to get out of California or stay in California. And if, or if you need to find out about those, one of those reverse mortgage things, call me toll free at 855 640 2020. That's 855 640 2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. Hey, you know what? Uh, that song that I opened the show with was Snowblind from Sticks, which I told you, but you know what? Uh, and I, then I started talking about the cocaine in the White House. I didn't realize in 1981 when I was 20, uh, when that Sticks album came out that Snowblind was about, Cocaine, and uh, you know, I know what I know. The Eric Clapton song that I used last week is about cocaine because it's called cocaine. I know that Jackson Brown song "Cocaine" is about cocaine because it says cocaine in it. And uh but you know what? I I googled songs about cocaine. I didn't realize that "Snowblind" and I guess Black Sabbath has one called "Snowblind," and uh Fleetwood Mac "Gold Dust Woman." I listened to that album, the Rumors album you know, a million times when I was in high school and I just didn't realize they're singing about cocaine, you know, at a gold dust woman, take your silver spoon. I just didn't put that together. Maybe cause, uh, I was 20 and probably I would imagine a lot of my, uh, a lot of my listeners aren't up to speed on the cocaine scene. Um, uh, maybe some of you are, but, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And, you know, you just, you know they say hey uh snow blind i can't live without you once people get stuck on that stuff they can't get away so oh, you know the fact that they say uh hunter biden is clean and clean from that stuff i just don't buy it i don't know anybody who's gone through rehab for cocaine and and kicked it at least not in one time you know that's it's rehab and then then reoffend and then rehab and then rehab uh that's how i see it kind of like back surgery anybody do you have back surgeries. It seems like everyone who's had a successful back surgery um, hasn't had one successful back surgery. They've had either two or three. So uh, I'm on two, and I'm hoping that number three fixes it. Um, most people say after three, they got it. But uh, so be it. It's uh, it's hell being old. Uh, old. Getting old is definitely not for sissies. So let's talk about the economy this week. There's some stories happening in the economy this week, starting with the news That the US national debt has increased by $1 trillion. That's with a T, not with a B or an M. It's $1 trillion since Congress passed that law on June 3rd to suspend the debt ceiling. Not raise the debt ceiling, suspend the debt ceiling for two years. Thanks a lot, Mr. McCarthy. From Fox Business, according to the Treasury Department data, the total national debt stood at $32.47 trillion on July 6th, $1 trillion more than. The the $31.47 trillion last seen on June 2nd, the day before the debt ceiling deal was was signed. Hmm. You know, the people celebrating, if you don't remember my show, go back to that, that week. I definitely did not celebrate. I say, hey, you know what? This was a raw deal and McCarthy sold the Republicans out on this one. With no debt ceiling in effect, federal borrowing jumped more than $350 billion in a single day, and crossed the thirty-two trillion dollar mark in less than two weeks. That quick increase reflected pin-up demand for borrowing that the government delayed while the debt ceiling deal was being negotiated. Well, I don't see it as being negotiated. The Republicans negotiated it, and then they passed a bill that cut the cut the budget one hundred forty-two billion dollars for this fiscal year. Uh, and then M- McCarthy forgot uh, to take his Viagra that day when he went in to negotiate with uh, with Biden, McCarthy, and mcconnell and uh hakeem jeffries and he just rolled over and by the time they left it went from 142 billion to 18 billion and uh the democrats got 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 away with that and i just didn't sell hey we raised the debt ceiling we came from defaulting we should have done what trump said we should have defaulted because we're we're going to eventually anyway so now on to inflation from cnbc Inflation rose just 0.2% in June, less than expected as consumers get a break from price increases. Remember, remember, when the inflation goes down, that doesn't mean prices go down. That means they stop going up. So they they only went up a little bit in June. Inflation fell to its lowest annual rate in more than two years during June, the product of deceleration in costs and easy comparisons against a time when price increases were running at more than a 40-year high. The Consumer Price Index, which measures inflation, increased 3% from a year ago, the lowest level since March of 2021, a month and a half after, uh, after Biden took office. On a monthly basis, the ind- index, which measures a broad swath of prices for goods and services, rose 0.2% in the month. That compared with Dow Jones estimates for respective increases of 3.1% year to year and 0.3% for the month. Stripping out volatile food and energy prices, core CPI rose 4.8% from a year ago and 02 on a monthly basis. Buried in each of these stories on inflation is that tidbit about how figures don't include food and energy prices. And we're not at the Fed's target interest rate just yet. From CBS News, although inflation is cooling, it still remains higher than the Fed's target rate of 2%. Especially so-called core inflation, which strips out volatile food and food and fuel prices, core inflation rose 4.8 percent last month and more than double that uh, the Fed's target. So the Fed the Fed thinks they need to keep uh, increasing rates until we see 2 percent inflation. They're ignoring the fact that inflation's been coming down uh, every month for the last 12 months, and maybe they've done enough. Maybe they're just a little bit too impatient. While Americans are concerned about another interest rate hike. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell had this word salad uh, on what else, how great the labor market is.
0: We've got a labor market that, you know, where jobs are being created, there are strong wage gains, and that's driving spending, driving real incomes and driving spending, which is driving more demand and continuing to drive labor market. So the, the, the labor market is really, is really pulling the economy, although policy is restrictive, it's not, it may not be restrictive enough, and it, and it has not been restrictive for long enough.
2: Well, let me put this into perspective. Let me just tell this in, uh, in English. When inflation goes high, the feds raise the rate to slow things down. Why? Because of supply and demand. And when, when the demand seems to go down, when the cost to buy things goes up, well, hey, I want to buy that house for half a million bucks. But because the payment today is, is $1,000 more than when I decided I could buy it, that I needed a $500,000 house a year and a half ago and maybe I don't need it that bad. Or, hey, you know what? I want that new Corvette, but at the time when I decided I needed it, you know, the payment was 800 bucks and now it's going to be uh, 1,500 bucks. And maybe I don't need it that bad. It's really not a necessary kind of car to have. So the Fed should have started raising raising rates slowly in, the mi- in mid-21 when inflation started going up, but instead they lied to us, the Biden administration lied to us, it's transitory. there's nothing to see here, nothing to worry about. and uh, remember that. and so they didn't do anything about it. Early in 22, they started raising rates and they had to ac- accelerate the way how fast they do it because inflation was going so crazy. we were in double digits and they they raised it so fast that because they waited so so long um, to do their job that it put pressure on the banks because remember the banks have have their funds invested in, in, uh, in long-term bonds. And they were, had bonds at 3%. Now the interest rates were at 6%. And instead of it going up slow and they could have rolled over some of their low interest bonds and got some little higher interest bonds and rolled over some more of, the, the, some more of them as they came due, they could have rolled those over into higher interest bonds. They jumped so fast that when people at that bank panicked and decide to pull their assets. You know it it's not it's not a loss until you you know if if your house went down in value from uh 500,000 down to 300,000 it's a paper loss doesn't mean anything unless you have to sell your house. Same thing for the banks. You know hey our bond, our money's invested in 3% bonds and now the interest rates are 6. And we don't have to recognize that that we're losing money until we actually have to liquidate and give people their money back. And we have to sell those bonds and they're not worth as much as they used to in a, in a market where the interest rates are twice as high. And we saw that uh, resulted in the collapse of uh, Silver, uh, Silvergate Bank uh, and uh, Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank because they were undercapitalized. So remember the inflation was at double digits a year ago but for the past 12 months inflation has has decreased every single month. And uh and it it probably would be going down more but the Democrats keep spending and spending and spending and they keep talking about the unemployment rate. Well, we're not in a recession because the unemployment rate's so high. But uh they keep touting those job numbers but as but as I always say is it's when they talk about how many jobs are being created, they're not getting more. We're not seeing more people with jobs. We're seeing people with more jobs. They're they're getting part time jobs because the people with full time jobs are seeing their their hours cut. We're seeing layoffs, but nobody's talking about that. So if you don't listen to me, or if you don't read the financial news, or if you don't pay attention, you don't watch Fox, or you don't watch uh, Newsmax, you don't watch somebody. You know one of the one of the outlets that tells the truth more clearly. You think everything's going great? Hey, the Biden administration, he's, we've got more jobs created. He's cut the deficit. And it's all BS. It's all BS. So the unemployment rate in California hit a low of 3.8. Now it's at 4.5. The unemployment rate nationally was at a low at 3.4. Now it's at 3.6. And so we know that historically recessions don't start. When unemployment is high, they start when unemployment is at the lowest of lows and it starts ticking up, which is exactly what we see. But the Biden administration keeps blowing smoke up our butts uh, for the uncurious and uneducated as, uh, as I keep saying that, you know, the, the, like I said, the jobs, the people are getting more jobs. It's not more people getting jobs. So uh, this and this is not a good thing. is not a good thing, but Biden says it. The Democrats keep touting it. CNN and MSNBC viewers believe it, as I said at the beginning. So let's get on to mortgage rates. From the Associated Press on July 6th, average long-term U.S. mortgage rate climbs to 6.81 this week, the highest level since November. The average long-term U.S. mortgage rate climbed to a new high for, for the year this week. Pushing up borrowing costs for home buyers who are already facing heightened competition in a housing market short on homes, the average rate on the benchmark thirty-year loan rose six point eight one from six point seven one last week. Mortgage buyer Freddie Mac said Thursday, a year ago the rate averaged five point three, as it was on its way up. It's the second consecutive week of higher rates, lifting the average rate to the highest level it surged to seven, since it surged to seven point oh eight in early November. High rates can, be, can add hundreds of dollars a month in costs for borrowers, limiting how much they can afford in a market already unaffordable to many Americans. This is a, sto- this is a story from July 6th, but it continues to circulate this week as if it's current. And it isn't true. So it isn't, it isn't true in that this week, while they're still reporting it, we've seen the, the, mortgage, the mortgage bonds jump up in price. 200 basis points in the last five days. So 200 basis points, that's 2%. A that basis point is, one, is 1% of a, of a percent, is a 100th of 1%. And as the, as the prices go up on bonds, the yield goes down. If you can buy a $100 bond for 90 bucks, for 90 bucks, you're not making much money on, on, your, on that savings bond. But if you can buy it for 50 bucks, you're making a lot of money because by the time it matures, you've got double your money. It's the same way on interest rates that you're paying when the bond prices go up, the yield goes down, the interest rates go down. And when the rates go up, they go up really fast. So when the when the when the bond prices go down and the rates go up, the banks and the servicers and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they raise their rates. They raise their rates really fast, but when the bond prices go up, interest rates come down, they drift down slow. They drift down slow. So the effect of 200 basis point climb in the prices of mortgage bonds, we may not see it till next week, maybe even not the week, the week after, because they'll start drifting down slowly, 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 because they want to make sure that these things hold, that it's not just a blip in the market and, and they're going to go back up. So they don't make long-term commitments on a short-term rate, rate improvement. Here's Charles Payne on the mortgage rates from uh, Fox Business. It's monumental. Let's just take a
0: um, a $250,000 house. It would be uh, an, an extra
2: $128,000 of payment. Let's say you bought a $500,000 house now, as opposed to back then, you're paying an extra $265,000. You bought a $750,000 house, you're going to pay an additional $384,000. This is just, this, this blocks a lot of people from uh, the American dream of home ownership for now. So while the rates rates are up, like I said, the bond prices have gone up, meaning the rates are coming down. We'll probably see it next week, and so this is this is old news. News right now, FHAs are in the high fives, low sixes. Conventional conventional uh, rates are in the low to mid sixes, and jumbo rates are in the high sixes to low sevens. But this is this is this is not a across the board kind of thing to scare you about because it all depends on how much your down payment is, your credit scores and uh how much you put how much so how much you're putting down your credit scores and and your debt ratios um so how much how much you make so if you're if you're buying something that's right on the edge of what you make if you uh, if your fico scores are uh, are barely in the in the mid 600s and if your down payment is the absolute minimum you're going to pay a little bit higher on the lower risk stuff with the higher higher credit scores uh bigger down payments and uh lower debt ratios rates are going to be better so it's so I will encourage you to not get worried about this stuff, and remember, that's how the housing shortage that everybody talks about um, doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it's so much harder to buy a house. It means, I mean, I grew up in Lakewood in uh, the Long Beach area, LA County, and people were when I got to home to home buying uh, age, people were buying out towards Corona and Riverside and Moreno Valley and the Inland Empire because. The stuff was getting more expensive, so you just moved farther away, and it wasn't wasn't so much a uh, so it was you know that's just that's just the nature of how how it works. And as the Inland Empire developed, because more people were working out there, more jobs moved out there too, because people were out there. This is how the economy grows. So don't worry about it too much. And if you're interested in financing, call me eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. So let's talk about uh, Saudi Arabia being in the news again, thanks to the PGA Tour merging with the Saudi-backed Live Golf League in a deal that's reportedly north of $1 billion. Now, there's a bipartisan effort on Capitol Hill to find a way to stop the deal from happening. Why? Because of the role of the Saudi government likely played in 9-11. You know, for those of you that, that have short, short-term short memory loss, that was that skirmish in uh New York City and, uh, and Washington, D.C., where planes crashed into buildings from Saudi people and uh, the war on terror started. So just in case you didn't know or if you're uh, too young to remember it. Uh, so it's been a while. So let's uh, let's remind everybody of, of what happened. Fifteen of the 19 9-11 hijackers were Saudi Arabian citizens. Osama bin Laden was from one of Saudi Arabia's wealthiest families. And a Saudi national living in San Diego who claimed that he met two of the hijackers by chance before helping them find an apartment upon their arrival in the U.S. in January 2000, turned out to be a Saudi spy who reported to a Saudi ambassador in Washington, D.C. We didn't know that for sure until the FBI declassified the documentation last year. Now there are reasons for long-running federal lawsuit that 9-11 families filed against the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia seven years ago in New York after years of fighting for rights to sue. So needless to say, Saudi Arabia is not really our friend. They've got a lot of people over there that have done harm to the United States, and there's a lot of people still doing business with them, and people are not happy about this. PGA, Direct, PGA Director Jimmy Dunn has claimed that the merger with Live Tour became necessary in order for professional golf to survive after five major golfers defected the PGA to go to Live, the Live Golf League, including six-time champion Phil Mickelson. So, I don't follow golf a lot, as I don't follow uh, most other sports a lot. But occasionally, I like to swing the clubs, and uh, and you know, th- and lose lose a dozen do- uh, balls in eighteen holes uh, into the water or the or the bushes or somewhere. Um, but I have heard of Phil Mickelson, and I thought to myself, self, why would Phil Mickelson and a bunch of these other big, rich golf players? go to uh, a Saudi Arabian golf league and leave and leave the PGA because you know, I don't drive, I, you know, I drive American cars and I try to buy American everything as, as often as I can. Sometimes I come home from uh, Costco and I look at some stuff I bought and it says made in China, but I try not to. Um, but absolutely. I don't drive foreign cars. I have a Chevy and a Ford and a Corvette and a Cadillac and, uh, And even before uh, I thought about getting my uh, my uh, spider that my wife bought for me, my uh, Can-Am spider, I said, where is a Bombardier put together? Seems like it's a French company, but it's they're manufactured all over the place and mostly in the United States. So I uh, I forgave myself when my wife bought me one for my birthday. Uh, So uh, but I but I looked up Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson's net worth is three hundred million dollars. Let me repeat that. He's worth $300 million. At what point do you have enough that you say, hey, I'm not abandoning the American PGA or a Saudi Arabian live golf uh, league? When do you say, I don't need to do that? Because I have enough and I'm going to be loyal to my country. Uh, I don't know. Maybe golfers are just not that patriotic. On Tuesday, the Senate Homeland Security Committee held a hearing where 9-11 families blasted the PGA representatives as representatives from the live tour and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund were not present. Here's an overview from the back and forth in the hearing with uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal, 9-11 families, United chair, Terry Strada and PGA director, Jimmy Dunn. It's a regime that has reportedly killed journalists, jailed and tortured dissidents fostered the war in Yemen and supported other terrorist activities, including the 9-11 attack on our nation.
0: So it's just greed. Anybody that will take that kind of money from the kingdom and sell your moral authority to now become a shill for the kingdom or a mouthpiece for the kingdom, it's just about the money. Live put us on fire. Live, yeah. live put us in, a, in an, uh, an incredibly difficult position. My thoughts turn to September 11th. I remember the 66 friends and colleagues at my firm who died that morning, along with so many others when the towers went down. I think about them all the time. I think about the families and I think about the grief that never ends. If any person had the remotest connection to an attack on our country and the murder of my friends, I am the last guy that would be sitting at a table with them.
2: Yeah, I have to agree with uh, every, with their same sentiments. I don't know why anybody would be in bed with the, uh, the Saudis. And of course, uh, I just, I don't see that. But, but meanwhile, one of Trump's 2024 opponents, the, the most vile guy I used to like, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, blasted the Trump family after Jared Kushner's firm got an investment from the Saudi Public Investment Fund, the same fund that's funding the Live Golf League. The grift from this family is breathtaking. It's breathtaking. Jared Kushner and Ivanka Kushner walk out of the White House and months later get $2 billion from the Saudis. $2 billion from the Saudis. You think it's because he's some kind of investing genius? Or do you think it's because he was sitting next to the President of the United States for four years doing favors for the Saudis? That's your money. That's your money he stole and gave it to his family. What that makes us a banana republic? Yeah, well, I agree that makes us a banana republic when uh, uh, money comes from other countries into our leadership's pockets. But uh, I don't know how Saudi Arabia's money is our money, and I don't quite see this the same as what happens with the Biden administration, where they where they transfer it to businesses and then transfer it into their personal bank accounts. You know, Jared Kushner had an existing hedge fund business that he already ran. The Trump family already had. They were already billionaires and they had all these businesses going and they actually lost money when he, when he became the president. So I don't really see that as the same. And I could tell you if I was related to the president, my mortgage business would be huge. My book sales would have been huge. And it's just a, and if, and if I was a, if I had a brother who is the president, if Donald Trump was my brother, I'd open up my own beer brand. I'd call it Big Ed's beer and my tagline would be, wait, we're the beer that real men drink. And you know what? That's just a fact of life that when you're related to the president and you have a business, it's gonna flourish. Flourish unless you're a real loser like the Bidens. They didn't have any businesses and they're just stealing money from our our uh, our other countries after we give them the money to have, and that is our money. So anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So From Montana, I'm signing out. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week.